Joining me now on the phone is Illinois Republican leader Bill Brady of Bloomington. He is the uh, longtime Senate Republican leader, and uh, I bet it's a little warmer in Bloomington. I think it was beautiful in Chicago, wasn't it, today? And uh, Yes, 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 but I figure but we, it's probably about 10 degrees warmer down there, a little golf weather in Bloomington, Illinois. <laughs> well, I don't know about golf. We still have some snow on the ground, but it's uh, going away. But uh, Oh, like that, would ever, that, like that uh, would ever stop you from uh, taking out a golf well, club? <laughs> well, I prefer warm weather golf. But, don't, don't we but, all? Uh, I was just in Chicago yesterday, so I know it's a lot better today than it was yesterday. It was glorious today. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And uh, I I wanted to have you on as we kind of continue taking a look at uh, Governor Pritzker's uh, proposed budget for the fiscal year that starts on July 1, um, $42 billion, uh, give or take $1.4 billion, I suppose, is the way that it could be put. And... I, I, I spoke with uh, your colleague uh, across the chamber, uh, Jim Durkin, on this subject, and the the, the issue of, uh, I guess, a belief that Republicans think that the Pritzker's holding hostage school funding in exchange for trying to get passage of the uh, graduated rate income tax that he's seeking. Um, but isn't it prudent to kind of um, not knowing what the fate of that tax is, to kind of have a plan B? Well, it, w- it would be prudent. I, I personally believe he's going to have trouble convincing the voters to support uh, his plan, the tax increase. And so it would be prudent. What we've seen with Governor Pritzker is when he introduces something, he appeases the left wing of his party. He did that last year with his budget. <clears throat> And uh, we were able to, we had some help, but we were able to talk him off that cliff and some things that we thought were damaging. There are some things in this budget that are damaging. Uh, I think he's making a mistake to toy with the children of our state's education uh, in in this plan uh, and some other things that he's doing. But I'm hopeful that, like last year, he, he moved from appeasing the left wing of his party to coming more centrist we'll be able to get him to do the same thing this year uh, in, in this proposal. But uh, we, we gonna, we're we going to need some fiscal discipline. We cannot predicate a budget on a tax increase that I don't believe the voters will support in order to spike caucus. And we need, we need to have a reasonable plan, uh, given the fact that we don't think those short-term revenues will be there. You know, we certainly know they won't be there in the long term because people will make decisions that will alter uh, the viability of those revenues. Certainly what the governor has talked about is rather than $350 million being earmarked for uh, K-12 through education as part of the uh, monumental change in school aid funding that was accomplished under uh, actually, uh, Governor Rauner, rather than 350, it's 200 million. But you know, certainly revenues have to come from somewhere. And is it is it something that Republicans will present an alternative budget? Well, we we outlined the basics of of an alternative. First of all, uh, the premise is some time ago he asked his agencies to come up with six and a half percent reductions in spending inefficiencies. We'd like to see what they came up with. 
uh, and we'd like to see how real they are. We believe they can be real if they if they took that effort earnestly. If you take that figure and you couple it with natural revenue growth, we believe there is enough resources uh, to meet our pension obligation uh, to fund what we agreed to three years ago under Governor Rahner, $350 million increases in education funding per year, uh, which not only funds education but provides property tax relief. And then we believe there's other resources to backfill the other areas of the state budget that, that, that might need help. We know that the Department of Children and Family Services has not been run well, and we know there are resources that are going to be needed to rebuild that. We're not sure if it's quite the level that the governor's requested, but we're willing to listen to why he's requested that. So we, we believe there's a way to come up with a sound foundation uh, and uh, an spending plan that works to the interest of the state. Now, having said that, uh, we think that one of the areas that the Democrats have lacked interest in is that what, in what we can do to foster job creation. We know that Illinois has a greater ability than what we've been living up to in providing opportunities for Illinois families. We've been losing middle-income families to other states as one of the largest net migration states. And the lack of emphasis on job creation is bothersome to us. So we're, we're going to continue to to emphasize that is as important as it is because the real future of Illinois is is based on economic performance and providing for the livelihoods of Illinois families. So when you're talking about job creation efforts, what are you talking about? Uh, tax credits for employers? Uh, what, are you, what are you looking at there? Well, we, we, we think that something that really hurt was this idea that we should increase uh, the minimum wage equally across the state. There are different costs of living in parts of the state, the southern part of the state, particularly compared to Chicago. Uh, we believe there ought to be uh, alterations. There are already alterations in union prevailing wages throughout this state. We believe there ought to be alterations. What we're doing is we're forcing businesses to move across the border because of our failure to understand that. Uh, we want higher wages for all, but we think the best way to get that is to work with businesses, to incentivize businesses, to give businesses a platform to grow, not to force them uh, to increase wages by government fiat. But there are things that the governor hasn't touched upon, uh, how we can work better to make workers' compensation uh better protecting individuals, but more affordable. What we can do to limit the, the, the tort liabilities around this state, the, the, the harassment that we see in this state due to the legal nature of it. Uh, we worked hard last year to, to reinvest in our infrastructure, which is critically important to all parts of the state, particularly downstate Illinois. But there's much more we can do. Uh, somehow reducing the problematic effects of the minimum wage fiat mandate is one of those. Have you seen any willingness among the administration to talk about, I mean, certainly workers' comp is kind of a an annual docket item, isn't it? What is, and, and it, it is one of the reasons for that is that the increase to the cost associated in Illinois compared to neighboring states, particularly in other states. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that we can now focus our attention on what can be done 
to make businesses uh, more successful and make Illinois more attractive to business investment uh, as a state compared to other states in this nation. We're speaking with Bill Brady. He is a Republican senator from Bloomington. He's also the longtime Republican leader of the Illinois Senate. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Good Sunday evening. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. Joining me on the phone is Bill Brady. He is the Illinois Senate Republican leader from Bloomington. Senator, thank you again for uh, joining me this evening. I, I noticed in some of the items that uh, Governor Pritzker was holding back on, depending on the outcome of that uh, graduated tax vote in November, we talked about the school funding. There were also some uh, dollars for uh, municipalities as well. And to me, I kind of wondered if this wasn't a way to say, well, if we don't get this graduated tax, we're going to be shortening. We're going to be shorting government entities that are heavily dependent on uh, property taxes. Well, I think you're right, and I, I there's no question that the people the governor listened to in crafting this message was it was a message that if you don't support my tax increase, uh, there are going to be repercussions. Uh, we don't believe there has to be. In fact, we were disappointed last year that uh, we had an agreement that Two years ago, we reinstated half of the reduction to municipal governments because we know that they provide some of the baseline services to so many people in need. And you're right. They have to rely on property taxes if they don't get those resources. But we we came up with a two-year agreement, but one year we reinstituted half of the reduction that was was under the Madigan budget proposal several years ago. We all agreed that we'd reinstate half of that and then last year we were supposed to reinstate the other half but it didn't happen and and this threat to pull it back and even take away only works at the disadvantage of what many of our local government officials work so hard to do for their citizens and it it does prey as you say on the greater reliance on increasing property taxes is there any way we can and I'm not saying, you know, you have to have the, the graduated rate income tax or whatever, but is there any way we can lessen the reliance on property taxes without the state getting revenue from another source? Well, that's why it's it's, it's so important that we commit revenues uh, that we currently have to education funding. The biggest, the biggest, uh, government reliant on property taxes. And and that's where I think the governor really missed the messaging boat when he said if he doesn't get his tax increase, it'll cost our children. Um, I don't think that'll really happen. I think it was a, a, a crying wolf. Uh, I don't I don't think he'll do that. I don't think the legislature will let him do that. Uh, but the real goal goes back to job creation. And we need more revenues because Unfortunately, 
people who've supported budgets in the past, uh, those budgets left us with more and more unfunded pension obligations, and and more and more of state resources have to go toward meeting those pension obligations rather than education funding and property tax relief. So we have a we have a hill a hole we have to climb ourselves out of, and the only way you can do it is is to grow the base of our economy, putting more people uh, to work with the advantages of employment, paying taxes into the system, uh, less relying on government. And, and the good news is we've got a great state to do that in. We've got, a, we've got an advantage geographically. We've got a natural resource advantage. We just have to learn to exercise all those opportunities that those provide and stop threatening tax increases and, and, and stop overspending. It can be done. It, it, other states have done it. Indiana has done it. Uh, Wisconsin and other states in our Midwest area have done it. It's just got to be a change in emphasis. But the only way we're going to work our way out of this is to focus on job creation. But there is another problem here. And right now that problem is, is, is corruption in Illinois. We've got a number of Democrats who've been indicted and under investigation, and uh, the message that sends is not a positive one either. You've heard me talk about the fact that I believe the root of corruption in Illinois is is fostered in the fact that our Constitution gives two Democrats the power to draw maps, maps that I believe uh, have put Illinois in a position that's out of touch with reality. 52% of the general election vote in the legislative races has gone to Democrats, yet there's a supermajority of Democrats in the legislature. That's not helping the situation, and I think the power that's given the Democratic Party has led to the corruption that we've seen. But and and obviously your concerns about maps are, are, are longstanding, and and there are people obviously who would like to see a less political, uh, more data-driven kind of map-making process in the state. It's not as simple as Iowa, uh, where you, you say have, you say people. I think everybody, but two people <laughs> in the legislature, and maybe the Democrats right now in the legislature, but everybody else. I've not run into well, one person, but, but, that but thinks that the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate. And politicians should be able to draw maps for their own personal play. Everybody in Illinois thinks we'd be better off if an independent body of the legislature, outside of the two people who draw the maps and maybe their political colleagues, everybody believes that this state would be better off giving the people the power to draw the maps not the legislature but the but the point i was going to make is that certainly uh you know gerrymandering exists exists under both parties it's existed you know across the country but we also have some pretty uh definite ideological political ideological shifts going on that the 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 suburbs and the collar counties are not as republican as they used to be uh, based on their historic trends to what we've seen in recent years. So is it, I mean, I understand complaints about the I, map. But- I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying under a fair map, Republicans still don't have challenges in Illinois. We've got a better shot. They wouldn't have a supermajority. I mean, we, we have had some demographic changes and that's fine, 
But when you draw maps that don't represent communities of interest and the people, but yet represent, and I've got to tell you, I, I traveled this state for a number of years. I travel this state now as the Illinois Senate Republican leader. I've never seen more vicious divide and about the politics of this state because the Democrats have gerrymandered such a majority. And it's not helping matters in any way. Regardless if you're a Republican or Democrat, regardless of who's in power, the truth of the matter is gerrymandered maps serve the politicians' interest and not the people's interest. The good news is my Senate colleagues, a majority of, of my Senate colleagues in both uh, Republican and Democratic parties have co-sponsored resolutions to take the power away uh, from the legislature and give it to the people. I'm just hopeful that we get a fair vote on that. I'm hopeful that the governor, who, when he campaigns, said he would support that, uh, will push that initiative. It's an important one to push. The mapping process is coming up in 22, and uh, we need to tell the people of Illinois, the business community of Illinois, that we're willing to do away with this rooted corruption and power and, and give the mapping process to the people so that Illinois is more fairly represented. I, I just want to go back to something you said about, the, the obviously, the, the great divisions that exist, in, and particularly uh, between urban and rural, between upstate and downstate, being... being uh, kind of fostered by gerrymandering, or that's a result of these Democratic maps? No question. This, 52% on average of the general election vote, 52 to 54%, give or take, I don't want to be quoted in fact check, but is, is given the Democrat, been the Democrat majority, that doesn't lead to super majorities in the legislature. It would mean maybe a two or three or four member majority. But those super majorities give the Democrats so much power that they pass things that I think are out of touch with Main Street Illinois. And uh, it gives them so much power that I think it's led to the corruption within their own party. So certainly, you know, and, I, and not to give too much credence to these separatist uh, efforts downstate from separating Chicago into its own state. That's not healthy. That, that it's not healthy, but it's the it's it's driven by the frustration of those separatists of who they represent. They they aren't dreaming this up on their own. They're hearing it from their their the mainstream population because of the unbalanced position the gerrymandered map has put us into. And the likelihood that there will be a uh, a amendment dealing with maps. Well, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we motivate the public to speak and outcry. I mean, it's amazing that we've gotten Democrats to sponsor uh, in the Senate. Uh, I think that's an amazing first step, and I applaud my Democratic colleagues. Who realize? And like you said, this isn't a Republican or Democrat. Things will cycle through, right? Regardless of, of everything, Republicans someday will be in charge of the legislature. It's just better if we have a balanced approach, regardless of which party's in charge, that we have maps that represent the people of Illinois and their communities, not the political interests 
of the elected politicians. Very briefly here, I want to ask, going back to our start of our discussion, talking about the constitutional amendment on graduated income tax, tell me briefly, why do you think that that's just going to fail flat out with voters? Well, it eliminates protections for middle-income families. We, we know that history has proven that at the end of the day, the politicians, particularly the Democrats, will reach into the pockets of, of independent, of moderate income families uh, who, who will have to support that. The, the wealthiest citizens, who we're not about protecting, but we would like to see stay here, have the greatest opportunity to change their residency, change the location of their business. And, and it's a false promise to think that people will not make financial decisions based on that, and particularly the middle-income families when you increase. But let me ask I'm, you this question. Bill, who for a $60 reduction in their income tax bill is going to trust Democratic politicians that they're going to be better off on a revision of the Constitution. All right. I don't think anybody. Senator, thank you so much. i got to hold you there. Thank you so much for joining me. That's State Senator Bill Brady, the Illinois Senate Republican leader from Bloomington.